0: hey family you're listening to let's grow with jeff whitaker where i aim to offer practical wisdom and spiritual advice for your personal growth on this episode of let's grow i had the pleasure of speaking with mortgage professional and state farm agent Dejon briggs as we talked about millennials and their money making decisions we addressed the importance of making investments saving money and securing life insurance these are all significant areas for our personal growth so let's grow now and let's grow together Let's grow, let's grow, let's grow. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode of Let's Grow. Listen, if you find the content of this podcast is helping you in any way, I encourage you to subscribe and share it with others. Get the word out. I believe this podcast, which offers practical wisdom and spiritual advice for personal growth, uh, can reach so many people. So every time you share this podcast with someone else, it's helping us carry out that vision. So thank you in advance for connecting Others with this podcast. I appreciate your love, your support, and for reaching out to me, letting me know how much this is impacting your life. Today, I am privileged to be with my friend, Mr. DeJon Briggs. He is a mortgage professional and licensed state farm agent uh, with a wealth of knowledge beneficial to your financial success, my financial financial success, and anybody else who's going to listen to this podcast. So Briggs, I'm so glad to have you on the Let's Grow podcast. Thank you for taking the time to connect. Uh, I am confident that your expertise in this field of business is going to help someone today. So let's get started, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I know your schedule remains busy.
1: (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me, bro. Look, Everything on the schedule moves out of its way when Jeffrey Whitaker says, can you be here? <laughs> you know, it's like, absolutely.
0: Hey, man, I appreciate the love, man. And I know you're doing so many amazing things. And I say the busy schedule because it's a productive schedule. And sometimes we get the two confused. Sometimes people just has have so much attached to their schedule. And they feel like because I have so many things to do, that is productive. But you're doing a lot of amazing things, man uh, in, in the Hampton Roads area. And I wanted people to be aware of that. So I know, I know you, uh, but there are people who are going to listen to this, who are meeting you for the first time. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and what you do to impact lives.
1: Yeah. Um, my name's Dejan Briggs. Most people call me Briggs. Um, I'm a wealth building strategist for the African-American community. I introduce my clients to concepts that convert income to assets. Uh, we create plans to minimize the risk of financial loss while increasing cash flow um, and, and providing ownership and equity that ultimately leads to financial freedom. And so how we do that is we compose diversified portfolios that include real estate, um, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, life insurance, income protection. And so really, we we're, we're have a strong emphasis on How do we close the wealth gap?
0: And that's and that's good, man. I think with the pandemic going on, uh, many people are not as consciously aware of the responsibility that's still necessary uh, when it comes to how we manage and store our finances. And and sometimes, Briggs, people just don't know what to do. Correct. (laughs) I'm finding out that there is a wealth of knowledge available, uh, but because we are not aware of it and a lot of times because this Information seems to be distanced from the African-American community. Uh, we just stay in patterns of living and cycles of living uh, that our parents pass down on to us until we're exposed to something greater. And I think for millennials, and I think what, millennials 18 to 35, I'm almost out of that bracket. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Am I about to be a baby boomer? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, millennials, man, need to be aware of uh, well, more so financially educated, so that we can plow and still advance. Because as much as people would want to think that everybody is suffering in this pandemic, that is not the truth. Correct. There are people who are making investments, who are thriving, who are succeeding. So let's kind of begin to talk through this, man. Why? Why is it important for millennials and and people in general? Why is it important for us to take responsibility of our finances?
1: You know, um, the the importance comes down to independence, right? The important comes, importance comes down to, to freedom, to having choices. Um, you know, money is just, and it's a tool. Right. That's what it is. It's a tool to help you build independence, to help you build freedom, to give you options, to give you choices. Um, we know from a scriptural standpoint, right, that um, uh, the the borrower is slave to the lender. Yes. And, and so one of the things that I've been really in telling people a lot is when you are financially independent, you're not reliant on someone to make a meal for you. Right. Because if someone has the power to feed you, they also have the authority to starve you. Right. But when you are in a position to where you're financially set, you make your own meal. right? Right. You own your own kitchen. You own the pots. You own the pans. The food belongs to you. <laughs> right. You get hungry, you can get up and you could do it. Whereas <laughs> right. if, when we are dependent on other individuals, as we see in the pandemic, right, that our our financial well-being is tied to how other people feel in the a, moment. A, a or stem, what the stimulus huh? <laughs> huh? Correct. Stem exactly. Stem. Exactly. Right. exactly. And that, that's whether it's on other people, organizations or, or the government. Right. Right. And so I think from a two twofold way, I think about that in the African-American context. But I also think of that from a kingdom context. Right. Um, and, and really, when we think of ownership, period, when we're called to have dominion, we're called to have authority. It's hard for me to have dominion when something has dominion over me. Right. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. And, wow. and, that's, and that's so good, it's man. hard for me to have authority when I'm in bondage to something else right uh-huh. and that's that tying scripture together that's what it's saying and so um it gets down into your your mental well-being it gets down to your health it gets right. down to your wellness the wellness of your relationships i mean just think about we say money but think about the the ripple effect of that that uh stone being thrown into that water right. that goes into man, how much stress comes a- around financial topics and what does stress do to your body? What does stress do to your relationships? Right. We know that one of the leading causes for divorce is money. Right. And so it's one thing. But the, the, the sound wave that reverberates from the, the mention of money is is uh, perpetual. And,
0: and, and that's good because I think it's the scripture that says money satisfies all things. And I right. think we've taken out of context where it says money is the root to all evil. I think it's how you perceive money and how you deal with money that determines if, if, it's, rele- if it's leading to your edification or if mm-hmm. it's leading to outcomes that are evil in nature. And I think that's key, man. Uh, if we don't take a responsibility for it, we'll always be... Um, Under the control of someone else who has. Um, And I think for many of us and just looking at how the economy is going, you can't really trust the governing uh, authorities with your financial scope, because at any moment, like you say, the one that feeds you would starve you. And I think it's, it's it's taking responsibility that gets us into a different place. Uh, where we are moving and, and producing at a different level of economical, uh, um, and endure, endurment um, or endurance. Um, and I think with that, it makes us have to consider what we are doing with our money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to realize, man, just sometimes if those out there do like me, and I'm sure you've done this, you look at your, mm-hmm. uh, financial statements and like, what in the whole world? Like, Correct. I didn't realize I was spending money on this. I didn't realize I spent $300 at Chick-fil-A. Yes, mm-hmm. you all can. You can spend $300 at Chick-fil-A in a month uh, because, you know, those those things add up. So let me ask you this, man. What are some, because I think taking responsibility means first recognizing some of the areas that you're we are not just doing good with money. So what would you say are some of the most common mistakes millennials make with their money? Or adults or people, what What are we doing wrong with our yeah. money?
1: Yeah. So, so um, let me go back because you, you said one thing um, and you said uh, money is the root of all evil. That's what people hear. And it's not money is the root of all evil. It's the right. love of money. Right. right? That right. is the root of all evil. Right. Because right. as you just stated, Ecclesiastes ten nineteen King James Version says money answers all things. Yes. Right. And that's, that's that. So the love of it, when I put it above my faith, right. then it becomes the root of all evil. Right. right. Um, so it's not a substitute for my faith. It's the answer to everything that is natural. That's good. And man. then my faith is the currency for the things that are supernatural. That's good. Right. And so what are we doing wrong is we don't have a budget. Let's just start there. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 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 we don't have a budget. Right. And and one of the things that I found, bro, is that scripture is the best financial advice that you can have. That's right. Right. So before That's someone builds a house, they must first what do what? You got to count up the cost. Right. You got to do a budget. You have to understand your income and your outcome. That's all it comes down into. How yeah. much money is coming into my home? How much money is leaving? Right. And so money could leave one of four ways. Okay, money comes in. It's either going to leave through um, expenses. Right. It's going to leave leave through debt. It's going to leave through savings. It's going to leave through investments. And there's a fifth way entertainment. Right. Right. Those are the five ways. And what happens is when money comes in, we allow it to leave through the expense, through the entertainment, then expenses, then debt then savings. And we don't get around to investing. Right. Right. And so when we break it down into that manner, what happens is that you don't, you're making someone else's family rich. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Because anytime that you pay your bills on time, you go to the entertainment place, that's a business owner. You, you, you pay your debts that has a CEO. You've paid three families. Before you paid your own family through savings and investments, wow, right? And so you, unbeknownst mm-hmm. to you, you've made someone else's family wealthy. So let's let's do something like this, and 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 we'll we'll talk about what you just said a moment ago, which was Chick Fil A, right? right. right. Three hundred dollars a month in Chick Fil A. So let's say you're a thirty-two year old individual, you haven't saved anything for retirement up to this point. Let's say you decide that you're going to instead of going to Chick Fil A, you're going to invest this money in, and perhaps you're able to get an eight percent return,
0: right? right?
1: So three hundred a month that used to go to Chick Fil A, you're going to invest this money. We're seeking an eight percent return between thirty-two to sixty-seven, right? At the end of that thirty-two to sixty-seven year time frame, the end of that sixty-five uh thirty-five year time frame, you have six hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollars. Wow.
0: And right? how long, if how long you invested is that for it
1: with the 8% return? Say again.
0: You say how long how many years would that be for?
1: That was 35 years. So you right. did that for 35 years, right? You had 688,000. dollars Now, over the history of the stock market the last 30 years, it's gotten a 12% return. So let's say you get a 12% return, right? That 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 $300 is $1.9 million. Wow. Right? And yeah. so the idea of let me put my family's wealth before another family's wealth. When I get paid, let me put something towards savings. Let me put something towards investments. And then let me start with my, my debt, my expenses. And if I have something left over, let me do entertainment. Right. Right. So flipping the way that we traditionally have done things upside down leads to prosperity. Right. Right? And so um, the budget just allows us to see where is money coming in and how is it exiting? And then uh, John Maxwell has this phrase, he says, a budget helps you to see, helps you to tell money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Right. Right. And it,
0: it's kind of like reprioritizing in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because now like the five things that you gave, most people have like entertainment at the top. Look, not even expenses yet <laughs> and mm-hmm. not even Correct. debt. <laughs> it's like, I'm spending all of my money, credit cards when I look fresh. And I mean, nobody is really trying to look that dapper, you know, most of us in the house. But when we do go out, you know, as as you yourself, you dress nice, you know, Um, we, we're, we're spending so much on entertainment that we don't have anything left. And that's because we have- uh, misprioritize. So I think, uh, in what you're saying as well, man, it's like a budget allows us to really prioritize our money. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, we don't always do that. And like you said, what's the statement that you said, where if you don't know where it's, like, budget allows you to see where it's going. Yeah, instead of wondering sure. where it went. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, I think that's important, particularly for millennials, man, because we'll look at, uh, like, like two days after we got paid, like, what? And there are days I've asked myself, like, I just had, like, $400, like, that was just, where did it go? And to be honest with you, I have, I would say personally... And this is the area that I'm growing in. Y'all know this is what this this show is about. Right. Um, is that um I, I do need to take more responsibility in prioritizing and having a budget because the honesty is I budget my bills, like all of my bills I have laid out, but I don't really budget everything after that, like I mm-hmm. should. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's that's key, man. Budget being one of the things that we make a mistake in. What's some uh maybe one or two other things that uh we uh, we have issues with, man.
1: Um we we're we're very nearsighted. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um. So a saying that I've heard before that I, I use frequently is a broke person thinks week to week, a middle-class person thinks month to month, a rich person thinks year to year and a wealthy person thinks generation to generation.
0: Wow. That's good, man.
1: Right. And so we, we're so nearsighted that we don't consider what does life look like 30 years from now. Right. We don't consider what does my, what do my children, what do my community, um, my ch- church family, what is the impact of my legacy beyond this moment and this spending decision? Because at the end of the day, it's a spending decision, wow. right? That's and good. so I think that's something else that we don't we don't think about the 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 gravity of of our spending decision. Wow. Um, and then the another thing would be um, when I was younger, my brother always told me, you know, expect the best, prepare for the worst. Right. And we don't prepare for the worst. And what I, what I mean by that is in the pandemic, um, you know, we're, we're told if you have a, a one income household, you should have six months of savings. If you have a two income household, you should have three months of savings. Right. When the pandemic came, um, we kind of saw, you know, who who was in position and who wasn't in position. Yeah. Right. And now there's a lot of things systematically that are that's that's against our ability to uh build wealth from, from the African American standpoint. But uh we have to be more cognizant and aware, I, I think. So if I had to do three things as you know do your budget, start looking more long term, start looking you know beyond just the next week and then the third thing would uh would be um to make sure that you have an ample amount of savings and you know yeah. that you're you're good there.
0: That's good man. So budget vision preparation.
1: Yeah, um
0: having a budget with all of you all. Uh, and, and again, in a few, and before this closes out, I'm gonna allow Briggs to give you his information because I know some of y'all need to sit with a, with a Briggs um, and help yourself get into a budget. And, and you can't be prideful, folks. You have to be willing to say, okay, I'm jacked up, my money's messed up, but I'm willing to sit with someone to help me get my budget in line, help me to get a vision for my money so that I can see what I, who and what I want my money to impact. And then also to be prepared because like you said, so many people were not prepared because we were comfortable with our living we didn't ever think that in 2020 you know many people would would lose jobs and you know have to go to different career styles because some people can't even work out because they have children and they have to stay at home just a whole bunch of things that have uh that have taken place over the last year that I think, uh, will help many people get in line if they will listen to the jewels and the stuff, uh, that people relay such as yourself and your occupation, man. Uh, considering that, um, uh, because one of my questions was where do we start when it comes to getting our finances in order? But I think you kind of mentioned that in creating a budget, uh, getting a vision for our money and then also, um, uh, preparing and operating, uh from a state of, you know, having a little bit saved, uh not knowing whatever will happen. Right. But mm-hmm. I know after that comes in line, a line, I don't know, you know, some, we would probably have to meet with you, which is why I want y'all to check him out as I, you know, uh will relay his information at the end. Uh, but what are some investments you recommend millennials make in order to advance their wealth? Because many will take those steps that you're giving and they'll start getting, you know, a little extra funds or things from that, from that reorganizing of their funds. So where do we invest, man? Where, we sh- where should we be investing now?
1: Um, before investing, I say, you know, first thing is settle your debts. Yeah. Right. And, and the reason that I make this a point, I know investing is the cool, sexy, attractive thing. Right. Right. Because so many people are doing it right now. And, and you got to understand there's a difference between investing and gambling. All wow. right. Um, so when you are looking to invest, what you're looking to do is get the highest return for the least amount of risk. Right. And when you pay off your debts, it's essentially an investment because, you know, your credit card, if it has a 20 percent interest on it, you know, you're, you're freeing up 20 percent of your future money. It's almost like you got a 20 percent return on investment by paying that credit card off. Right. You have access to 20 percent more of your money. Um, the, once you settle your debt and you have, you know, that six months of savings, Um, You you have your insurances in place, like your your life insurance in place. You have your auto insurance in place. There's there's different uh, funds that you can do. And so it's hard to say this because I don't know everyone's risk tolerance. I don't know what everyone's age. I don't know. So different things are needed for different people. Um, I can say you have three levels in life. You have an accumulation phase, which is I'm trying to build as much money as possible, um, which is generally you're looking like your 20s to 50s. You have a conservation phase, which is saying, hey, you know, I'm looking at more so not be as risky. I'm heading towards retirement. I can't take as much risk. And then you have your distribution phase, which is I'm towards the end of my life and I need to figure out how do I get this over into. Um, you know, my next generation. And so depending on where you are in those, one of those three cycles dictates what you should be investing in. If you're in that accumulation phase, then, you know, you're looking for index funds. um, You know, you're looking for more stock kind of heavy things, things where you can let your money grow. If you're in that conservation phase, you may be more so inside of like a bond mixture Um, You know, you may be more so in there. If you're in a distribution phase, you may be more so in in like um, annuities or you're talking to your life insurances and different things of that nature, permanent life insurance at that point. So it really just depends where you are. Um, There's no you know, um, there's no one particular thing. And it's what you're looking to save for, right? So, man, you may be a millennial in the accumulation phase, but you also may be trying to get a home. And so you don't want that money that you're looking for as a down payment to be subject to a great amount of risk and volatility where that balance can fluctuate. You want something that's more stable. So you have to kind of take account for, what's your time horizon? How much time do I have before I need to use this money? What's my risk tolerance? When the market goes up and down, am I going to break out in highs? Am I going to, you know, start panicking? I'm going right. to be rocking back and forth. You know, right. you may not be, you know, built for that. You right. know, for equity. Um, so your time horizon, your risk tolerance, um, your risk ability. Right? Do I have our capacity? Do I have the capacity to invest right now? If I haven't gotten into my emergency savings, then I shouldn't be investing because what happens when you start to invest and something goes wrong, you take that money out of the investment, right? right? And at that point, you're subject to a different type of tax bracket than if you would have held it for a year or longer. So you need to have some liquidity or some access to cash flow for, for bad times. And then, of course, like I said, your insurances have to be in place because investing is um, is something that takes time, right? right? It takes time for the growth to happen. And so um, if you were to pass away between the point that you're starting and getting to your ultimate, what's the strategy? Can you is your family gonna be in any better of a position?
0: That's good stuff, man. And something that you mentioned, which is uh which will be our last question that I think is really key, particularly I, and I know we've been talking to adults in general, but particularly. Mm-hmm. I'll say millennials, I would say if, you, if you're if you 21 of age and older, uh, life insurance, uh, we are under the impression that many of us are going to live to, and I would hope we live to be 70, 80, 90, 100, however, however long mm-hmm. you know, God would allow us to live. But there are many uh, millennials and young adults that don't have life insurance. For one, they think it's too expensive when it's really not. Again, that goes back to how we prioritize our money. Some of us are spending more in a week than uh, a, a premium cost in a month.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so why is having life insurance important? And at what age should someone
1: invest in a policy? Um, life insurance is important because w- what is life insurance? Uh, man, this is such a loaded question because my brain goes 25 right, right. different directions. Right. Um, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. Right. All right. The ability to leave behind an inheritance, to leave behind wealth, um, which, again, liberates your family from uh, financial bondage. Right. Um, In the event that you pass away. And, you know, when you think about it. Normally, people's estates are made up of their assets, the things that they own minus their liabilities, the debts that they owe. That balance becomes what your children inherit, all right? Now, the thing is, m- most of us at this point in time have not accumulated enough assets in order to leave a substantial estate, right? Right. So since we have not, what helps to, pr- to, to, to fulfill that biblical mandate is life insurance. You create an instant estate when you purchase life insurance, right? So if I have 30 years, as I illustrated earlier, you know, $300 from the age 35 to 67 with a 12% return being 1.9 million, I can become a millionaire by 67. But if I pass away prior to 67, what will my family have, Right. right? That's where life insurance comes in. It comes in to bridge that gap. Right, and so I I ran with my team yesterday, and I said, "Hey, you know, if we had a forty-two-year-old male and and he two hundred thousand dollars life insurance policy, what do y'all think that will will, will, it will cost?" One of my team members, uh, not really into life insurance, said, "Man, I think that's going to be about one eighty a month." You know, we ran the numbers. It costs fifty five dollars a month. Wow! Right for a twenty-year term, and so life insurance you use it to cover. Your loans. If you're married, you know, your debt transfers to to your spouse. Right. Your your debt is your spouse's debt. So if you pass away, it takes care of the loans. It replaces your income. Right. So, you know, um, how is your baby girl? Your your youngest? She's one. One. So God forbid something were to happen to somebody named. Jacob, who's your same age, because I'm not going to speak this over you, who has a one-year-old daughter whose (laughs) name is Caitlin, right? Something happens to Jacob and Jacob is is providing income to the household, right? That that impacts Caitlin's one-year-old life because for the next 20 years, the income that should have been directed to helping her well-being is no longer there. And, you know, Madeline, who is her, who's Jacob's wife, now has to figure out, I thought I was gonna have Jacob here for the next 20 years right. of life. Right. And now Jacob is no longer here to help me raise Caitlin. Right? So Madeline's life is altered because now she has to work two times as much because she has to replace an income and Caitlin his life is life is changed as well. Right? right. Add on to that, what if there's a mortgage that's involved? How do I keep a mortgage over over my family's head when we we got into this mortgage under the idea that it was going to be two incomes? So you got to think of how do I replace my income? So taking half of your income, multiplying it by 20 years in your scenario, because that's going to get my daughter to 21 years old where she's going to be fine. That's going to get my wife closer to retirement where she'll be fine. Um, The cost of your funeral. Right. And then everything else. Do I want my kids to go to college? Do I want my kids to, you know, have a business uh, money for a business down payment? Those things have to be taken into consideration. So you add up all those numbers and you say, OK, what's my grand number? And so um, to answer your question, how early? I mean, you can lock in insurability. The, the moment a child is born, you can right. lock in insurability. You know, there's policies that you could pay for 15 to 20 years. You pay it, it's paid off. They don't have to make another dot pay another dollar into it. Um, it will impact not only your children, but your grandchildren as well. Because if they were to pass away as they age, they can make your grand, you know, your future grandchildren um beneficiaries. So you you could start as young as, as a newborn. Um, I think there just has to be a strategy attached to why. There is the one thing that I can tell you. Is that there is no cookie cutter answer. Right. As much as I would love to say there's a cookie cutter answer, everyone's life is different. Right. Right. And everyone's needs are different. And anytime someone just gives you like a cookie cutter answer without having a direct conversation with you, right. I think you should be frightened by that individual because to me, that's not a professional at that point. Right. right? I should, my reasoning, my rationale, should directly positively benefit you based off information you told me that it makes sense for you and not just based off of my uh, nebulous recommendation. And this is why I answered your question. No,
0: no, it did, man, because I have a few uh, policies myself and uh, it's not the policy really like it's really not for me. It's really for those who will exist and who I love that will remain after, you know, God has has called me home. And um, I think it's important. This is why people need to connect with Dijon Briggs. Y'all, this conversation could go on for hours, but I know because of your attention span, we've gotten at least 30 minutes or so uh, in this conversation. Uh, Listen, Dijon Briggs has so much wisdom and he cares about those in whom he serves. Um, It goes without saying, when you know better, you'll do better. So since we've given you some content today to help you do better, I would hope that uh, you reach out to him. And I'll get some more information on how you can secure your life, how you can advance your financial uh portfolio. Briggs, your insight today, I believe, is gonna help many millennials and, and adults in general make better financial decisions, man. If someone wanted to use your services and uh sit down and have a consultation, however that goes, how are they able to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, you could call the office. Um, office number is 757-978-3282. You could visit us online. Uh, dbriggsfinance.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Dejan Briggs, D-E-G-E-O-N-B-R-I-G-G-S. Any one of those methods or modes, if you're in, you know, Hampton roundabout, you could come check us out, uh, 2021A Cunningham Drive, uh, Suite 5, Hampton, Virginia, 23666, directly behind the Kroger on Mercury Boulevard. Um, Yeah, any way that you want to get to us, we're, we're we're available and accessible to you.
0: And listen, when y'all get in contact with him, let him know that Jeff sent you. uh, Just so I'll know that someone was listening to this and someone's life was changed by it. Briggs, man, uh, thanks again for being a part of this discussion. Listen, family, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast because I'd rather grow with you than grow alone. Be sure also to check out letsgrowjeff.com to purchase my Never Stop Growing t-shirt and also visit amazon.com to purchase my Let's Grow 21-day devotional. I promise you it will help you and transform your way of thinking, your way of life so that you can grow better in your purpose. Uh, Just go and type in Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y Whitaker, W-H-I-T-T-A-K-E-R, and it will come up with uh, my book for you to purchase. You'll be transformed by the content. Lastly, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Jeffrey.Whitaker. I love to connect with you. Until next time, let's grow now and let's keep growing together. I'll talk with y'all soon. I'm out.